0: You got You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life.
1: Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would
0: accentuate anything else? I was recently interviewed on Sandra Champlain's fabulous podcast radio show called We Don't Die. She wanted to talk to me about my experiences chatting with my loved ones in spirit, the death of my mother, some of the fabulous healing experiences I had. So we had a wonderful conversation. Here's a bit of it. Hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the International best-selling book called, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Our guest today is one of Australia's foremost thought leaders and change agents. Her name is Karen Swain, and like many of us, she's had questions about life, death, and what might lie beyond. After losing her mother at 16, Karen has some extraordinary psychic experiences with the other side. And because of this, she realized that we don't have to be a famous medium to see, hear, feel, and maintain communication with loved ones who have crossed over. Karen Swain is a radio show host. She's the author of the book, Return to Love. She has witnessed miraculous healings. She's a transformational, intuitive life coach who helps people worldwide live their greatest lives. There is so much more to the incredible Karen Swain, but I'll let her tell you more about herself. Karen Swain, welcome to We Don't Die Radio.
0: Oh, Sandro, thank you so much. Wow, that was quite an introduction. That's well. Wow. Thank you so much. That's uh, Well,
1: you're welcome. Wow. And I've been on your site and it's like you oh, you do so much and you're so generous and you're all about making a difference yeah. with people and I've watched some of your videos and oh. listened to audio. And I'm just like, I love this woman. So I knew oh. we would be
0: Soul I, I love that about you, that you actually took the time out to really watch, like, look what's going on on the site. I've, sp- I've spoken to so many people that, that don't bother. They just, like, tell me about you. And they don't actually look into, who am I talking to? Like, they're not generous enough to extend their time to actually research. So congratulations, you, Sandra. Oh,
1: but sometimes I get intimidated because it's like, oh my, who am I to talk to this person or oh you and you're up to so many things? But I, I always believe that we all have that little voice in our head that's not always our cheerleader. And so it's just set it aside. Yeah. We're absolutely. all extraordinary and yeah. So why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about you? And obviously the name of the show is We Don't Die. And I would come to believe that you have um have had some experiences, especially what I read in the beginning and just just a little bit about you if you would whatever uh, I look saying.
0: i just want to continue on that 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 thread of conversation about that little mm-hmm. voice because even though the uh, the introduction sounds amazing god listening to that i'm thinking wow who is that person i'd like to be her too <laughs> i still have that little voice that says you're not good enough you're not good enough but here's the thing about that little voice that i love it is that is that doubting part of us that is the creative part of us that if we did know everything and we did have access to all that we are because through my understanding and my life journey of looking into who are we and who 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 are where do we come from like where do we come from when mum died the questions that I had inside me I was one of those kids that was like why am I here and why do babies have to be baptised? I don't understand if a baby's born, how it can be in sin. You know, religion says this and constantly badgering my parents with questions, 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 and they were just like, oh, ask your father or ask your mother. I don't know. Why do you have to know these things, Karen? Just just intensely curious about life, love and the universe. Who am I? What am I doing here? What's it all about, Alfie? And then when mum got sick and died, she got sick in my early teens, you know, when you're in your early teens, Sandra, all you want to do is date boys and and buy oh, right. sh- and buy shoes. But um, my focus was sort of shifted because I was dealing with this mother who was horrifically sick and very unhappy. And and in my selfish teenage ideology, I'm thinking, "Gee, your sickness is inter- is interfering in my love life. <laughs> you know, I have to stay home and look after you instead of go out and party with boys." Wow, I know. Wow, right. But it just, and it's real. I mean, that's I, real. I
1: thought my parents were stupid, and what did they know about life? I, you know, as a teenager, we don't really
0: understand at all. Yeah, look, yeah. I don't know if I thought my parents were stupid and I, they didn't know about life at that stage, but I definitely, yeah, you definitely had that teenage, like, oh, yeah. uh, they don't understand about me. They don't understand about me. You don't know. What do you know? But those questions kept brewing inside me, brewing, brewing, brewing. And I think the thing that really did it was my mother's spiritual education to me was I, I was a naughty girl at school and I was expelled from one of the schools. And, and a Catholic school took me in. They, the, the nuns ran the school. And we were not Catholic. And, um, but it was a convent. And I said to my mother, What am I going to do about all that religious stuff, mum? And she said, Just ignore it, darling. That's <laughs> my spiritual education. <laughs> in a Catholic school (laughs) just ignore it But I was only there for a year and she died during that year. But during that year, the nuns went to visit her in hospital. And here's this selfish little teenage girl thinking about boys and shoes, thinking, now why are Catholic nuns visiting my mother in hospital when she's not Catholic? And how come they've accepted me and I'm not Catholic? Because, you know, with all this religious stuff, there's all these rules and regulations, you know, who's invited into whose club. And then just before she died, I went into hospital to see her while she was still conscious because there was a few weeks while she was not really here with us. And there was a priest reading the Bible next to her bed. And I'm saying to mum when he left, what are you doing, mum? And she said, I'm dying, Karen, I'm dying. And I looked at her confusion and her, her desperateness, grasping, grasping at some sort of answers. Here's a woman that never asked a question about what happens after we die? Never thought about it, just never thought about it and, d- and didn't inspire any questions in me about that. And here she is dying and grasping at, you know, what's it all about and will I go to hell and will I go to heaven? And so that really spurred those questions like, yeah, like what does happen when we die? Who are we? Do we go to heaven? How do we live our life? What's it all about? So that's when I started this intense search For meaning. Getting back to what I was saying before, that little voice inside us that doesn't know, that doubts, that criticizes ourselves, that is the creative part of us. That is the part of us that reaches out into life and says, Why? And as we do reach out into life with our questions and our asking and our prayers and whatever it is that we're asking for, it could be knowledge, it could be health, it could be money we summon we summon the energy that comes to answer the call and that is the creative part of us so i love that little voice inside me that doubts and criticizes me sometimes i do that's
1: a nice way of putting it cuz i've i've not had that relationship i just thought well we all have it this is yeah. how you deal with it but i've never
0: yeah one of the things that i've learned is that In this vibrational universe that we all live in, you can't scream no at something and have it go away. You can't push against anything and not have it exist in your life because our attention and our focus is the creative aspect. So when we put our attention on something, when we look at something, when we say, I want this, or when we say, I don't want this, we bring it into our life. And so... If we don't want that little critical voice that we have inside us that puts us down, that compares us to others as not being good enough, that you know that you know it, we all have it, right? You know. I know it well. Yes. As you push against that aspect of yourself, it just grows, <laughs> it gets bigger. So it's kind of like a little kid that lives inside you, a naughty little kid, you know, that naughty little teenager that was selfish and like that I used to be. It's like you love it, you give it feed it cookies. Calm down, darling. All will be well. You know, <laughs> Stop pushing. <Wow. laughs> Stop pushing against it and saying, I should be different or this shouldn't be, or I should be, you know, more enlightened by now. I've read 6 million books and I've spoken to 50 million people. I should know better by now. You're never going to know better because that little part of you is the creative part of you that keeps asking questions. And I know that you're like me, Sandra, you are intensely curious about people and mm-hmm. and that's that's a beautiful thing. It's a really beautiful thing. Thank you for that. Yeah. So mum dies. Yep. I'm in the world, I'm 16, I'm, I'm all alone but I'm loving that because I'm thinking this is great because as a kid I just was like a bull at the gate, get me out of here, I want to wear high heels and lipstick and live life. You know, I, I didn't want to be told what to do, I didn't want parents saying I couldn't do things so here I am, I'm out in the world, I have the life to lead that I wanted to lead. So I wasn't particularly sad about mum's passing because watching someone ill like that, really ill, is not fun. And when they leave that experience, it's it's such a relief. It's like, whoa, you know, it's such a relief. And I got the call at about four o'clock at night, the hospital called to say that she'd gone. And I think that uh, probably, I don't know this for sure. I kind of do, but I don't have evidence of it. I think that when patients linger on, sometimes the nurse's just might give them a little bit more morphine that they're supposed to have just to help them cross over. Because I think that mum felt quite guilty leaving young children, that she felt like she couldn't leave this plane because she needed to stay here and look after her children. After that, I started having dreams. And mum would come to me in my dreams and she'd say to me, I'd say, oh, mum, you're here. And she'd go, yeah, I'm here. And I'd say, I thought you were dead. And she'd say, no, I didn't die. And I'd say, what? Well, where have you been? And she said, well, you know, you don't die. And I would get so angry with her. If you're not dead, then where the hell have you been? What do you mean you didn't die? I've been doing this by myself. I've been looking for you and you're not here. But what was happening was that that young mind of mine that didn't understand that we are eternal and that we don't die, that we live on, could only interpret her message from a physical perspective. So I understood her saying to me that she was still in her physical body and that she had, she didn't die, she just pretended, you know, like Elvis is still alive. And she went to live in another country or another state or in my dreams, she was always somewhere else. She wasn't at home. She wasn't in my environment she was in a shopping mall or another state or another country so I'm trying to with my physical mind work out interpret the message that was given to me during my dream dreaming experience because I wasn't open enough to understand what was going on so I'd wake up really frustrated and angry that because the dreams were so real, Sandra. They were so real. And I'd wake up in the morning confused and think, oh, I'm back in this reality, in another reality, and this is real, and that's not real. And that's the thing about the other side. You've spoken to many people who've transitioned and come back, is that when you're there, that's more real than being here. Like, this is the dream. Right. <laughs> yeah. And right. That, and that, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: consider that but yeah. that is what they all say
0: yeah and that's what I used to feel I used to wake up into this experience and sort of shake my head around, like where am I and and be confused and then think god another one of those dreams that you know that I, I didn't die but death has been a friend to me I've known so many I've had so many close people that have transitioned and as I kept looking into the meaning to life, reading books, going to psychics, going to gurus, like who are we, what's it all about, and expanding my awareness and my knowledge of what's possible and who we are, like this ever-expanding opening, I suppose. I, I suspect you've been experiencing that too, Sandra, with your inquiry. Yes. Just keep expanding. You just keep expanding of what is possible like who we are and what is possible, those dreams started to make a lot of sense. But uh, the book Return to Love is about my experiences talking with people on the other side because all of the people that have died in my life came back to tell me one thing, and that was I didn't die. (laughs) But
1: I have to ask, how did the girl who couldn't understand the dreams of where your mom was all of a sudden start now talking to dead people. Well, there must have been some
0: Here's the thing shift. about that. Who came this is, first? Well, what? this is the thing that's really interesting that you ask that question. We're always talking to dead people, all of us, all the time. And that's what I wasn't understanding. Here's this young girl that didn't understand having dreams. So my dead mother was talking to me. I wasn't a psychic or a spiritual teacher. I was a selfish teenager. Uh, you know, trying to get on with her life. And in my dreams, I was being spoken to by my mother and she was trying to relay a message that there's no such thing as death. She didn't die. And that she was trying to say to me, I'm here. You can talk to me anytime you want. I'm I'm available. I did not die. I was speaking to someone the other day, a client who came and and her husband died a year ago and she has a young five-year-old son. And she was saying something like, And this person said, and your father's dead. You don't have a dad. And the father came in and the father said, well, you tell him that he does have a dad and I'm always here. I'm here for him. I'm here, but it's just a different relationship you have with me now. Before you had a relationship with me in my physical body, but now you're having a relationship with me as a non-physical body. And that's the message of the book, Return to Love, is you don't have to be psychic to talk with people on the other side. They are communicating with us all the time. We have a constant relationship with our broader perspective or our non-physical perspective. And that non-physical perspective is also our higher self. So you can talk to yourself, your higher self, or you can talk to your dead relatives, for a better word, or, or dead friends or dead loved ones. They're always there to communicate with you. And they're knocking themselves out to try and communicate with minds that were like mine as a young child that are closed to this understanding that that we can we are greater than we perceive that we have an energy field that is communicating all the time with non-physical and that if we want to with our intent and our allowing we can communicate with anyone who's on the other side that's as you said in the introduction you don't have to be psychic or john edwards to talk to the dead you just have to be open to it can
1: you give us some stories or examples of when you first started realizing that you actually are talking to people that have crossed over
0: oh that's a good question it didn't sort of go bang i'm talking to dead people it just unfolded it just unfolded one of the things that really made me understand that I have access to non-physical communication all the time is reading the book Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. That's a great book. In that book, there is two aspects speaking. There is the the one that we were talking about at the beginning of this interview, that egoic mind Mm -hmm. that says, I'm not enough, I need, I want, I can't. So that was the personality of Neil Donald Walsh. And then The other part of the conversation was who he deemed as God, the higher self, speaking exalted wisdom. And so as you're reading the book, you're getting the experience of these two minds communicating in a book. But what happens in his book is what happens in everyone's mind. But he's just compartmentalised it as me and God. But me and God is everyone. There's me and God and God could be dead relatives or God can be your higher self or your angels or your guides. I don't compartmentalize any of it it's all exalted wisdom it's all pure positive energy and it's all there communicating with us all the time all the time all the time so as i'm reading this book i'm having this conversation in my own head because as i'm hearing his questions more questions are being evoked within me and then i'm saying oh that's a good thing but what about that and what about that and as i'm asking the questions i'm having this dialogue with my higher self that's commune and it, I was very present to that communication going on within me as it was going on in the book and that was so you
1: were ans- asking questions yeah the answers are just coming into your mind
0: absolutely absolutely exalted like amazing wisdom I should have written it all down really but amazing amazing insights incredible insights it's like I'm constantly in a classroom and the little me the the little egoic me that that doubts and and doesn't know is constantly being taught by the bigger me and that bigger me is a plethora of teachers and some of whom have been physical and i have called mum or best friend or because when we all transition all of us reemerge back to pure positive broader perspective consciousness and we all become exalted wisdom I remember once watching you know what Sandra one of my favorite things to do is to go on YouTube and watch near death experiences because people speak about it from a memory of being there and when they speak about that experience from a memory they evoke that same energy that is our source and our source is love and all of them will speak about love and so when they evoke it as they speak about it you can tune into that same energy. And so if you're feeling down or, or feeling in doubt, sometimes I think a great thing to do is to listen to a podcast like you <laughs> where people talk about love and that we are expanded beings and all is well or to watch you know near-death experiences and hear them speak about it. And one woman said, in that state I knew everything about everything. And that's who we are. In that state when we're not physically focused anymore. We're non-physically focused. We have broader perspective and we know everything about everything. So we can communicate with that part of us or we can communicate with our loved ones who have re-emerged back into that. And now we have a personality to grasp onto to communicate with what we deem as God. One of the most incredible experiences I had was my best friend in the world. I was God. Well, I am Godmother to her son. I was present at the birth of him. We were best mates. Anyway, she had always been a very happy girl. Something happened. She, she experienced depression for about a year and she spoke about killing herself a lot. Well, one day she did it. So on this day, I'm a single mom at the time. My daughter's about eight or nine. And I have a Japanese student staying in my home who, who is uh, an older woman who was just the most gorgeous. She was about 58 and I'm in my early 30s. And it was Christmas time and I was taking my daughter to her school play. I thought to myself, I was in that, I'm so busy, I've got to cook dinner for Annika and Yumiko so my daughter and the Japanese student and I've got to get get the costumes and I've got to get to the school by six o'clock and it's about four o'clock in the afternoon and I think I'm just going to grab a shower and then you know get it all organized I'm sitting in the shower because I used I love to sit on the bottom of the shower and just let the hot water run over me so I'm just going to take five minutes out to just sit in the shower and just relax just chill out and get back into the busyness like in a minute. So as I'm sitting there, I shut my eyes and there's this really clear vision of my mother's face. Like in 3D, it's just, it's a profile, just her face. It's a profile. And then the face turns and looks at me. Oh my God, it's so visceral and so real. And I go, oh, Mum, you're here. And I opened my eyes trying to stop the image. I don't have time to talk to you right now, I said. To her. <laughs> I've got to get Annika to school. I've got to feed them. I It's a school play. You know, I'm in my busyness. And so I opened my eyes trying to stop the vision. And it was a very insistent energy. And as I opened my eyes, all my other senses were Engaged. I could smell her. I could feel her. I could hear her. It's like every inch of my being could sense her. I had this incredible memory of her. You know how the smell is so interesting. I could smell what she used to smell like. And she'd been dead for years and years and years because I was 16 when she died. I'm in my 30s now. And I had this incredible memory of what it was like. To be in the presence of my mother, and it wouldn't stop. This sensation would not stop, and so I just said, "I just don't have time to communicate with you right now. Can I call you back?" <laughs> and that's I just <laughs> is hysterical. Who
1: does that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! And well, I, thanks for being honest. Okay, so that's what
0: happened. I jumped out of the shower trying to stop this sensation so it started as a visual and then it, all the other senses kicked in and right. just started to get into my busyness and as I did it it disappeared and so I go to the school play it's all lovely but it turns out that right at that moment was the time that my best friend committed suicide oh. and um yeah so I said to her you've got something to tell me but I don't have time for this right now. But you know what's really interesting, Sandra? I'm kind of glad I did that because had she communicated with me that Kate was transitioning because as much as I understand that there's no such thing as death, it still really hurts when someone you love leaves this physical plane. Absolutely. still really hurts and, and oh, God, I can't tell you how many people have, I've known that have left. I still cry and, and mourn and go, oh, that's so sad. Not sad for them, sad for me. So had I known about it, I would not have enjoyed the school play with that knowledge that mum came to tell me so she had committed suicide and the experiences I had with Kate on the other side were incredible she really because we were great mates we spoke about everything together she really showed me many things about being on the other side I would go to sleep at night and and as soon as I would fall you know when you fall into that sleep it's It's always an unconscious thing. You never really know when you fall asleep. You know that you're about to, but you never know the moment when you do. And then you wake up and you think, oh, when did I fall asleep? (laughs) So as soon as I would fall into that other experience, that other focus, it would be like she was sitting on the end of my bed waiting for me to wake up into another realm, another experience. And I'd go, oh, Kate, you're here. And then we'd go off and she'd talk to me about life on the other side. And uh, one of the things I remember was touching her and saying, why can I feel you? If you're a spirit and I'm a spirit, why can I touch you and feel you as solid? And she's looking at me smiling and she's going, I know. I know, it's amazing, isn't it, how we are incredible creators. And she says, because you have memory of what it is to touch someone. The physical experience cannot be experienced when we're non-physical, but we have memory of the physical experience. And so just like the holodeck on Star Trek, we can recreate it as a reality. And uh, that's what a lot of people do in non-physical they can recreate a physical experience in a non-physical environment and live it out again i think you've you've probably heard that when people go into near-death experiences and they have life reviews they say they're looking at it as a a visual but then it's not just but they're in it they're not just looking at it like a television screen they're actually in it they're experiencing it again and so, God, we're magic, Sandra. We are just we are just genius creators. Armed with that knowledge that we can do that from non-physical, here's the thing, we can do that with physical. We have the ability to create. It's all just energy and information that we're moulding with our thoughts and our ideas. And we do it in non-physical, we can do it in physical. So the people that died showed me who I am and what's... Possible. And yet the little me still goes, Really? Can I really do that? Still doubts. Still says, But I don't understand this and I don't know how to do that. So there's still the big me and the little me. With Did they
1: all come through, Karen, in dreams? And was your vision with Kate like clear like it was with your mother?
0: Yeah, completely. Not all of them, no. They don't all come through dreams. Many of the experiences I had was while I was asleep because. Here's the thing, when you're asleep, you're you're non-physically focused. While we're here, we're physically focused. And the physical dimension is so seductive that it takes your attention off the non-physical and you've got it you've got your attention on the computer screen, the television screen, the road, the people around you. Your your focus is elsewhere. So when spirit wants to communicate to you in really meaningful ways they often will in your dreams because you're not physically focused you're not distracted by the physical reality but if you if you have an intention and you have enough allowing so here's the idea of experiencing communication with non-physical from physical focus you have to take your focus off the physical Put the focus within. That's why meditation is one of the best ways to attune your vibration to allow you to have visceral experiences speaking with the other side, both your higher self and your non-physical friends that have transitioned. So taking your focus off the physical, putting it within, you can put it on your breath, you can put it in your imagination, you can bring your awareness down to your body, the breath is one of the most the best ways but practice of meditation really attunes you to receiving their vibration because their vibration is a high vibration non-physical energy is pure positive energy and most of the time here in our physically focused experiences we're experiencing a different frequency of vibration because we stress and we worry And we doubt, and that creates a different vibration to spirit. So the happier you are, the more relaxed you are, the more carefree you are, the more access you have to them because that's a similar vibration to them.
1: Yep, I speak often about, uh, and many people have told me, some of the visitations they've had in the shower when your mind is quiet and, yes. and the whole thing is when we can quiet the mind That's even it. driving in a car sometimes we're on autopilot and, yes. and it feels like it and you know I've had the instance where I felt my grandmother sitting right next to me yes. you know, and I could feel her skin and yes. things like that I want to ask you something about your friend Kate yeah. because I know we have many listeners who have had someone very close to them commit suicide Did she shed any light on life after that? I mean, there's a lot of beliefs in different realms. Sometimes that people are punished for suicide. I myself feel compassion that if someone's life was that tormented, they must have had it really bad in in order to do that. But our friends and loved ones who commit suicide, are they okay?
0: Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. Every single person that lives this physically focused dimension reemerges – back to pure positive energy. What can happen though, Sandra, is, and you hear a lot about people who have hellish experiences when they commit suicide, is that Our personality is made up of, you might have heard people like Bruce Lipton or other scientists Mm -hmm. talk about the subconscious mind. So it's like the hard drive of your computer. It's full of programs about who we are, what's possible and what we believe. And those programs could be religious and they're the programs from our schooling and then the programs from our culture and our politics. We're completely programmed. We're like this bunch of programs and Bruce Lipton will say that's what's running our life it's not our dreams and desires like and our conscious mind oh I want to be rich or I want to be thinner or I want to be healthier what runs right. us are those programs right and that kind of creates the personality that creates the like a like an actor reads a script of a person So that script, Sandra or Karen, is like all made up of all these different ideas, ideologies, and programs and beliefs and structures. And that creates you in your play called Your Life Right Now. Because when we reemerge, we see our life as we were an actor in a play. Like if we are eternal beings and we have choice about who we are, we've been mothers, we've been fathers, we've been children. We've been all these different actors, and when we re emerge back into non physical, non physically focused dimension, we become the sum total of the experience of all that we have lived in many lives. And so we're so much greater than the personality that we are right now. What happens with some people is as they are, because Spirit has said to me that we don't travel anywhere. And that all life exists, non-physical life and physical life exists in the same space. We're in like, our loved ones are right here with us. There's no such thing as time and space from the other side. So from that understanding, they're right here with us. And if we want to contact them, they're there right now right here where I we are i love
1: that and <laughs> i always explain that we can't you don't have to see it to believe it because we can't see the internet around us or exactly. wireless television yeah. signals or radio signals or gps signals and yeah so i'm glad you said that cuz that's oh, it feels so good just to
0: know <laughs> So when we shift our focus, so this is what we do every night. We die every night. We shift our focus from physical to non-physical. When we re-emerge, we shift our focus from our physical. So our physical are those programs that we call Sandra Champlain or Karen Swain. And we start to shed the ideas of who we were and we come out into a new dawn of who we are. But as we're shedding those ideas, we get to experience some of those beliefs. They play out as little plays. I remember reading once about a near death experience of a guy who was a pastor and he was like a Helen Brimstone type pastor and he was always telling people that they were gonna go to hell. <laughs> and, right. and when he had this near death experience, he experienced the devil and the devil (laughs) said to him you're in hell for doing this like for the simplest thing that he did that he deemed as unworthy as his pastor personality that he was always telling people not to do of course Mm -hmm. you you read about these pastors the 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 most judgmental the ones that have created the sins that they're judging people for so he had created the sins that he was judging people for and he experienced this sort of devil image and it was his guides having the biggest laugh They were just rolling around laughing at creating this experience of him being in hell (laughs) because they were sort of showing him what he had done to others as he was transitioning back into non-physical. I tell you what, they have a laugh with us sometimes, they really do, because they see this whole arena of physical life as this delicious play and they don't take any of it seriously even death I mean death is the thing that we get most upset about and they'll come back to tell you you know what I didn't die please stop crying there's no such thing as death you just got to get over this death thing we don't die don't you love that message
1: (laughs) I do how see it just sounds so easy though for you to talk with them but how about the rest of us how can it's easy that
0: best that is one of the best mantras that you can say it is easy it is easy to talk with my loved ones on the other side it is easy because here's the idea that stops us from doing it it's hard only psychic people can do it You have to be different to who I am to be able to do it. That person that speaks to the dead, oh, she's amazing. She's different to me. And the message that they give me is that we all do it all the time. Start focusing on how it does. And as I said at the beginning of this interview, what you focus on expands. Whether you're focused on good or bad or what you want or what you don't want. When you focus on it, it expands. Start noticing the feeling of your grandmother sitting next to you or the dreams that you have. Start focusing on it. As a young girl, the inquiry of who are we? And why are we here? And what's it all about? And where do we go when we die? And where do we come from? I mean, where do we come from before we're born? That was a question that used to... I was focused on those, on finding those answers. And so because of my intention and my focus, it was revealed to me through my life experience and through many of the deaths that, uh, that people gave to me. Another best friend of mine was a girl called Nikki. She was born thalidomide-affected. And so she was a very sick little girl most of her life and we were best mates. And she died when she was 40. She lived a long time, actually. The doctors said she was going to die at six. They said she'd never be a teenager. They said she'd never be an adult. They kept telling her she was going to die. And here's the thing about Nikki. She smoked. She drank. <laughs> she had tortured t- love affairs, the love affairs. You, you know, <laughs> She did everything she wasn't supposed to do. But boy, she enjoyed her life because she thought, well, I'm going to be dead soon. I might as well have a good time. And she kept li- living, living and living and living. She actually got a brain tumour and, and uh, she was on the transplant list to have a heart and lung transplant because she had a lot of internal problems. And she was looking forward to getting a new heart and lungs because she used to be blue most of the time because she had a hole in her heart and, um, and the heart was not pumping oxygenated blood around her body. It was pumping half oxygenated, half unoxygenated blood. So she looked blue a lot of the time, especially if she walked up a flight of stairs, she'd go completely blue. And so she was looking forward to having a heart and lung transplant. But when they found out that she had cancer, the doctor said, okay, there's no way that she'll have a heart transplant now that she's got cancer. And um, once she knew that, then she just said, okay, I'm out of (laughs) here. I'm going. I'm leaving. But she'd had about three or four near-death experiences. And I'd always said to her, well, what brought you back, Nikki? And she said, well, the first time it was mum. As I was leaving my body, I could hear my mum going, don't die, don't die. And so she said very dutifully, I said, okay, mum, I'll come back. And so she came back. She said the next time was no big reason really, just, just, just more experiences, just more. I just wanted more and I loved that. It was no profound, I've come back to heal the world. Right. I've come back to tell people about God or about life after death. It was just more and that would be our mantra to life. It's like why are we all here? More, more experiences, just more. Another experience, just just more on this delicious physical plane, which is like a playground from non physical, from broader perspective, they look at this life like a playground and they love all of it. What they say to me a lot is is love all of it. You know, the pain and the death and and the sickness and the trauma. From our perspective, all of it is wanted and all of it is an experience that expands your awareness of who we are and who you are. uh,
1: Wow. And now that sounds good, but I watched my dad suffer something terrible when he died. And, you know, it's interesting because there is the higher me that I can either be a victim of something or I can say maybe that was for dad's growth. And I know for myself without witnessing his death the way he did and learning about grief, I would never have my book. So I know that there's juicy things that come out of everything. But in the midst of some pretty brutal suffering, it's kind of hard to make sense of it.
0: It is. I agree. It's really hard in the midst of our pinching off our connection to our broader self, which is love. So what we do is when we see someone suffer, we suffer and yes. often often we suffer more than them you know cuz we're suffering over their suffering and we're suffering over the fact that i think especially with someone like you sandra who who is such a helper such a giver such a carer when you see someone suffering and you feel helpless to be able right. to help them then that is that is you're suffering more than he is and so yeah there is suffering here on this physical dimension And we are at power to lessen our suffering and even alleviate it by choosing to view it from a different perspective. And this is what they say to us is that, you know, look at life through the eyes of source and look at life through the eyes of love. And as you look upon someone that is suffering with loving eyes, you alleviate their suffering. But as you look upon them through your suffering eyes, your focus is not helping alleviate their suffering. I once heard from one of my spiritual teachers that uh, Jesus was so connected to his broader perspective, to his God self, that he never saw the suffering of others. He would only see their magnificence. And that gaze was so powerful that it would create instant and miraculous healing in them. Wow.
1: Wow. And you know what, I wanted to ask you about healing. And towards the beginning of the show, you said that uh, you didn't use the word we can create heaven on earth, but just that we're the same beings, just in the physical. Somewhere I read that you've seen healings and things can you talk about some of
0: that well the most amazing thing during my 30s it was a very intense time of research for me I had a I was a single mom I had a young child and I was doing a lot of energy healing courses so what happened was uh, the questions led me on a trajectory of what's it all mean so I started studying naturopathy five years full-time in my 20s finished it and opened a furniture shop because I didn't think that I learned anything that was going to change the world it was all fascinating I loved it I hung in there had a baby right at the end a year later opened a furniture shop because I love pretty things right so Mm -hmm. had that for about four and a half years and closed that down and went in back into massage because I needed to make some money and I was good at it I was really good at massage and I had learned that during my five years studying as a naturopath and I used to do it when I was studying as well. It's a good way to make money. And as I was putting my hands on people, I used to experience a lot of psychic phenomena. I used to be able to read their thoughts. I could see their future. I could see their past and and I used to tell them things and freak them out. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> so I had to stop calling myself a Masseuse and start and start relabeling myself. So mm-hmm what do you call yourself when you can see inside people? I mean, hello, what do you call yourself? So spiritual healer. So I started starting a lot of energy healing. I was doing theta healing at the time. It was about 15 years ago, theta healing. You know, have you heard of Vianna Steibel? She has a healing called theta healing. And it was about developing your psychic ability, uh, looking into the body as a medical intuitive, speaking to your guides, speaking to other people's guides. Gee, it was fun. It was so much fun. And I came home from a a healing course that I'd done. I had taught my young daughter to, I said, so this is what we do. We just go up and talk to God and we just make a command and then God does the healing. So it's really about having that relationship with your broader self. You're not doing the healing. The universe is. You're just asking for it and then allowing it. With everything in your life, you're doing that. Whether you want to speak to dead people or manifest something in your life like a lover or health or money or whatever it is that you want to create, right. you don't create it. You, you're the asker, the little me is the asker and then the universe or God or life orchestrates the energy and formulates everything that you're asking for and then you as the healer or the person that is the manifester of the desire has to allow that to happen so so that's what a healer is doing they're asking and then allowing so i taught this to my daughter and then i was seeing a lot of clients and doing a lot of sort of psychic stuff with them and energy work but i wasn't seeing anything with my physical eyes so i said i want to see something with my physical eyes and so my daughter gave me the experience one day she came home from school they were digging up the plumbing out the back so the rocks and pipes were exposed she was out there playing she cut her foot so she gashed her foot open she came running into the house I was again in the shower and she comes running into the bathroom screaming with blood pouring out of the bottom of her foot mud all over it and I look at it and freak out and I go oh my god so I threw her foot in the shower to try and wash some of the mud off and I just didn't really know what to do, but she was in such a panic that my thought was, I'll just stop the bleeding and that will stop her screaming. So I threw her on the toilet and put her foot in my hand and just went up and commanded a healing. But what I noticed, Sandra, is that I couldn't feel the blood oozing out of her foot under my hand. I expected to feel the heat of the blood as it was gushing out of the foot. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't feel that on my hand. So I took my hand off to see what was happening. And the wound had completely sealed in an instant. Just sealed. Just, oh, and wow. the, t- <laughs> the yeah. two of us sat there. The two of us sat there on the, <laughs> she was on the toilet. I was sitting on the floor, just looking at her foot in just astonishment, like just amazement. We just went, wow. <laughs> wow! And what had happened? It had healed so quickly. It was dark underneath the skin. I didn't know if that was dirt or or blood under the skin because the skin, the top layer, had just it had just sealed instantly, instantaneously. I asked for it. I said, "I want to see something with my eyes." So they gave it to me, <laughs> and I've seen many things like that. Many, many, many Can things. Can you tell like us
1: that. another one more story about that?
0: Well, this isn't something that I saw with my eyes, but I was—I um, was living in the same house. I was looking into a yoga studio. It was a wet, rainy day, and I was walking up some back stairs, cement stairs, going up to this yoga studio, and, and they were closed. And as I was coming down the stairs, I fell down three flights of cement stairs because I was all wet, and and yes. I and I cracked the bone in in my arm. Oh. And I didn't go to the hospital because I was doing all this healing work and here's the thing about this healing work if I was doing it and paying lots of money that I had to really believe in it what I find really interesting with a lot of healers that I know is that they spend their lifetime studying energy healing work and then when they're sick they go to the doctor and I think oh so you don't actually believe anything you've (laughs) you've studied and spent all that money on but I wasn't like that I was like if I'm going to you know do this stuff I'm going to believe in it so I looked inside because I'd, I'd been taught how to look inside the body and I saw that I had a fracture, I'd fractured my arm. I was in so much pain, I can't tell you I was in. The pain was radiating. I felt like I was filling the room up with pain. It was like these radio waves coming off me. Uh-huh. And I just commanded a healing and I couldn't stay awake because I was in so much pain and I just went to sleep. And when I woke up, I looked inside and it had healed the fracture just completely as the cut had but this was what I had seen this with my psychic eye and not my physical eye so I had no proof of that but what I did experience over the next couple of weeks if you've ever broken your arm and had a cast on and when you take the cast off you're still very wary that your arm is sensitive and and it has this sort of the arm has its a new awareness it's like if anyone comes two foot towards the arm you sort of back away you know what I mean you've got the right. sensitivity it's like don't come too close don't come too close I'm still sensitive in that area so that's what I was like for about two weeks it's almost as if I'd had the cast off but I still had that incredible sensitivity the arm worked but it still was in- amazingly sensitive so yeah like was when the you-
1: pain did the pain subside uh, immediately completely
0: Completely. yeah completely yep, when I so woke up Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's miraculous. Yeah, it was
0: miraculous. It was absolutely miraculous. The relationship that we have with non-physical is a, is a miraculous relationship. We just have to trust it and know that it's there for us, whether we want to communicate with our loved ones or communicate with God or Source or or whatever you call it, or your angels. We are so divinely loved and and looked after in so many ways and that little me you know we forget we forget and experiences like that they give you these heightened experiences and then we still go off into life and forget I say to my daughter when she's worrying about money I said don't you remember that your foot healed instantly like in front of your eyes (laughs) what are you worried about and she goes oh yeah but you know oh yeah but so that little me is still is always going to be asking questions
1: it's it's so funny that you're talking about this because i have witnessed miraculous things yep. i've talked to dead people i've i mean yep the things that have given me goosebumps in my life have happened so many times those really wow experiences and uh just this morning i have a a coach uh, somebody that i talk to on a weekly basis who supports me and everything i'm up to and i have a fear going on about something about having a conversation with someone and i just like i just can't get past it to pick up the phone and I'm struggling and so he gives me all this great coaching advice and you know it's not my higher self and it's my ego and da 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 all this stuff so it's been a while since I've actually picked up my own book and I actually write about fear and how to deal with it if you have trouble talking with someone and (laughs) to get their perspective and to get what's going on with fear and miracles are on the other side of fear and you know it's like, I feel like such a dope, but I, I don't think we're meant to remember 24-7 that we're these infinite souls or else what would be the exactly. point of
0: living life with these experiences. It, exactly. Right? The little me is the creative part. The little me is the one that asks and the little me is the one that summons the energy to answer. The little me is so important. The little me is the expansive part of you. You as the personality, as the physically focused person. So the little me forgets and then asks to remember. And then you remember and you have these amazing experiences and you're like, I am the greatest. And then you forget again.
1: (laughs) I had a little battle with the little me this morning and I was stressed out. And then all of a sudden I had such like an aha moment. Uh And I just thought you know and i'll just share with you what it, what it is because i often you often hear that when you hang around with successful people you have more of a possibility of becoming successful yeah. yourself that uh-huh. you're you know most like the five people you hang out with and so i just had this thought that we have these physical needs spiritual needs emotional needs intellectual needs and i thought you know in the times of youtube and podcasts and reading and iPhones and all this stuff like a lot of us are not around five empowering people a day but like (laughs) what little habits can we do so that those people are in our lives just by these other means so anyways you know I can spell it out more a little later but it was just such an aha moment that like I don't necessarily have to find five great people that I can listen to things in the car I can start my day watching a empowering YouTube video like I can nurture my emotional self you know like all these great things and thank you having that you know really awful thank you bitter I hate myself you know which you know is where it all stemmed from this morning and I can't stand some of the things that are happening to me right now (laughs) like I would have never had that thought but I've never thought of like blessing the little me the little voice and and without it you know, like I would not have had the other thoughts. So thank you for yeah, that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, well, thank you because, you know, there are many great guru life coaches out there that are telling you things like, in order to be successful, you have to hang out with successful people. And then and then those little me's all over the planet go, I don't hang out with successful people. What I want to say to you is you have a plethora you have an army of non-physical brilliant beings hanging out with you all the time talk to them yeah you know?
1: one, one more thing is i don't know if any of our listeners have ever traced their roots a little bit and done what's on ancestry.com as one of the resources but i actually started dabbling in my past yep and i have a small family right now of alive people and there is an army of people on many continents that are my ancestors and I just thought you know what a nice vision that there's this army of people with me yeah and that like I could talk to them
0: yeah it just,
1: it's just a and then I really like how you say we can use the mantra it's easy to talk to my dad easy, it's easy to talk to my grandmother it's easy it's easy it's easy and to put the attention on that it could leave an opening for A great thing to happen. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Our time's going by fast. What I want to do is shift into. You know who is Karen Swain, and what the heck do you do in the world, and what do we? What else do we need to know about you? How do you apply your gift to making a difference with people in in your business, and what is your business? Well,
0: how? Yeah, look, how I like how all this has, you know, how it manifests as a physical reality. I mean, it's all great knowing all this stuff, right, and having all these amazing experience, but how does it look in the world? I feel completely connected to every being on the planet and that is a beautiful thing because as a as a selfish, insecure teenager, I felt very disconnected. So it's been a, a journey, it's been a long journey and it's been a journey of unfoldment. It didn't sort of happen bang and now I've woken up and I feel connected. It's just like I was having a conversation with someone on my show the other day called Carrie Phipps and she wrote a book called Do Talk to Strangers and it's like having that openness and that friendliness and that fearlessness to be able to feel connected and open and in love with everybody Do you know what I mean like no fear no fear of people I think one of the biggest fears we have is not fear of the future or it's like fear of what other people think of me you know that fear of of talking to someone they're going to think I'm stupid oh I can't talk to them I don't know them it's like when you have a relationship with your broader perspective you understand that we are all brilliant incredible amazing beings we all have that broader perspective and we're all forgetting that we're that and we're living inside our little uh, the little me and um, and asking questions and fearing and like everyone's the same but different we're all same same but different and so when you get that we're all one we're all the same you can reach out to anyone, anywhere, anytime and feel like you're in service to them and that you don't need anything from anyone, that you're the giver of life and not the taker of it. And that's a beautiful feeling. And so I, when I'm with anyone, I can look at them through the eyes of source. I, I can look at their mistakes and I can criticize them. The little me still says, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> And then the broader me kicks in and says, "But isn't that beautiful?" Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and uh, and that's that's a really beautiful thing. And uh, so so what I do is I love people like you, and I interview uh, as a teacher of deliberate creation. So I'm teaching what I've been taught. I've been taught through many books and many gurus and and teachers here on the physical plane. But my biggest teachers have been the ones that ha- that are non-physically focused, my guides, um, dead relatives. I call my guides blissful beings. And that was an unfolding too. So as a young girl, I was looking into spirit guides, like, who's my spirit guide? I, I want to know the name of my spirit guide. And I remember doing a course and having a tape. It was tapes in those days of meet your spirit guide and i went back to the course and i said i didn't meet anyone i don't have any spirit guides and they said oh just do the tape again and it was a visualization where you walk along a path and you sit at a pond and then you invite someone to come in and they walk towards you and so i'm not getting any visuals and i'm saying to them because i'm speaking to a nebulous nothing like why don't i have a visual of someone like a a person and a red indian or a you know or a dog or something And they laugh, they laugh at me a lot, Sandra. They laugh and they said, oh, Karen, you are the creator of your own reality. What would you create if you had a spirit guide? What would they look like? So I'm a young girl at the time. I said, oh, I'd have a spunky man then, please. And so bang, there's this handsome man who comes and sits next to me, has a laugh and says, well, you've created me, here I am. And I started to understand that we are the creators of everything, even what we think of as spirit guides, where, you know, we're creating an image or a name or an ego. And when you're talking to your dead relatives, for a better word, or dead loved ones, you have that already created for you. You can talk to source through them, through their ego and their personality. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It gives you something to focus, to grasp as you speak to your broader perspective, because when you're speaking to them now, you're not so much speaking to them as they used to be, you're speaking to them as a part of God, as that as that broader perspective. I'm teaching, I teach that, I teach deliberate creation. They show me all the time that we're creating all of it with our focus and our imagination and our allowing, allowing the energy to flow. And we allow that through our vibration. So every thought holds a vibration. And the more positive or the better feeling the thought the larger the amount of energy we allow to flow, which is what attracts into our life what we want. So I teach that. I see clients one on one. I put on events for the difference makers. Once you understand that you're powerful and that you can create what you want in this world, what are you gonna create? I wanna create a world that we all wanna live in. It's all very well wanting money and love and health, but what else can we create? And so I put on events for the difference makers, people that are on the planet that really know that they're here to make a difference. I interview and showcase people that are making a difference in consciousness, in the environment, in relationships, in all different ways, and, and then invite people who want to make a difference. So there are so many beautiful, delicious young people out there that know they're on the planet to make a difference, but they don't exactly know what that looks like. And so I invite them to come and hear people that are doing it, and, and that helps them formulate ideas about how they too can make a difference maybe they want to join these people in their environmental issues or or maybe they want to take their idea and run with it and and uh, we put on a big peace day festival last year with a friend of mine called deborah shepherd from embrace life live life celebrating peace in the world and showcasing international peace day which is a focus of peace each year that the world does 21st of september is international peace day and unconscious creating nights so I invite people to come and ask blissful beings, my guides, questions on anything. That's so neat. Yeah. Do, pe-
1: do people have to be near you to work with you or do you work on with Skype? and over the Oh, no, to-
0: I do a lot of I- Skype. I do a lot of Skype, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yep.
1: And I know that we're speaking to a lot of difference makers right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that-
0: Mm-hmm. I do know
1: that. Um, yeah. Just one quick last question, because it's got to do with deliberate intentions. Yep. Some of the thoughts in our head are so deep rooted, so autopilot. Now, you know, of course, I'm speaking about myself and it's really hard to change Thoughts. How do we go about? I mean, I know there's more to it probably than a thirty second answer, but I have a visual of some of the thoughts in my head being like weeds in a garden, mm-hmm. and they are just there's so many of them, and how do I cut through and and replace them so that I can have a good healthy?
0: The first thing that they're saying to me, Sandra, is appreciate the beauty of the garden.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> See the weeds flowering and love the flower. That's the first thing that Blissful okay. beings are saying to me right All now. Right. The next thing that they want to say to you is you've you've already decided that it's hard to do it. Change that and you'll change everything. This is easy. <laughs> this is easy. You see yeah, you
1: and I have decided it's hard. Yeah. You
0: know that's mm-hmm. what's funny. Like I You you're decei- it. what you're saying to me is I'm overwhelmed, there's so much and it's so hard and that's what you're creating. So you can't change anything from that vibrational stance. So you've created a vibrational stance that says it's bigger than me and it's really hard and And that's not the truth. That's just what you believe and that's what you're creating. So the first thing they say to me is look at those weeds and just appreciate the garden like weeds are flowers right they're beautiful and and when I was studying naturopathy as a herbalist the most potent and powerful herbs were the weeds the dandelions and the stuff that we pull up from the garden they were the most powerful healers so see those little negative thoughts those little negative weeds those little negative thoughts as your powerful healers they are powerful healers they're part of the garden of life And so appreciate them. And then say, as easy as it is to pull up a dandelion and repot a different flower, like I just choose it, because none of them are good or bad. They're just wanted and unwanted. So, okay, so you've got some weeds and you want to plant something else. It's as easy as pulling it up and planting something else and see it as easy. You know, you're creating your garden. See your thoughts as your garden. Appreciate all of it and love it. And just like a gardener, you can choose whatever thoughts you want and you choose them by the way it feels. So if you're experiencing a thought that doesn't feel good, then ask yourself, is this what I want? And change it if it's not. Because here's the thought that stumps most of it, is that we can't change the way we feel. And and there is a, a collective thought form that says, a tiger can't change his stripes it's hard to change people. You'll never change people. Once you've decided who you are, that's who you are. And I say to people, if that was the truth, I would have no business because what I do is I help people change their mind. I help people change the ideas of themselves. So if they have ideas about themselves which don't feel good, they, it makes them feel small and limited, then like the garden, we just change the flower bed to something that's, that's better glad
1: I asked you that
0: question yeah and it's easy it's easy that's your mantra Sandra it's easy this is easy I can do this this is easy I love this this is my work in the world those negative ideas I have about myself they're my medicine they're all part of my garden
1: and to our listener right now Karen's not just talking to me (laughs) she's talking to you and it's easy whatever it may be it's easy oh I challenge all of us to take this one on and really uh, gosh love the weeds I love that some of the Weeds are the most powerful healers. Powerful healers. Holy, that's awesome! I
0: was speaking to oh, this is someone you might want to speak to, Annie Kagan, who wrote the book The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. Oh, you have to speak to Annie. Okay. Beautiful book. Beautiful book. Anyway, we were having this brilliant. It's a part. I've got the podcast on my website. Beautiful discussion. Billy, who was her dead brother, was talking to her about what it's like to be dead. Oh, you'll love this book. Anyway, and he was saying, the world is your oyster, the world is your oyster. And I said to her that I had an experience of my grandmother, who I never knew, came to me in a dream. And she said to me the same thing. The world is your oyster, Karen. And then Billy goes on to explain it even better. And the sand, which irritates the flesh of the oyster, creates the pearl. So it is those things that irritate us in our life, those bits of sand that get in under our oyster shell that irritate us, that creates the pearl of our life. And I was just like... Ah. That <laughs> so, is beautiful. Yeah.
1: And you know what? Whether it's me in the weeds or a vision of the pearl, sometimes... <laughs> Us being able to visualize it in a story like that is we can really get it. Yeah. So thank you for sharing yeah. that.
0: The analogies are beautiful. Blissful beings have the best analogies. They come out Aww. with some well, pearls. thank you
1: so much. You're thank welcome. You thank, your thank you time. so much. Thank you for the- good that you're doing on the earth. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts before I say goodbye to you and our listener?
0: Oh, look, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. I think it's such an important message, this we don't die. As soon as I saw your podcast with those words, I knew I had to speak to you because that's the message that all my loved ones on the other side have said. I am not dead. I mean, that's what the book Return to Love is all about. We do not die. We are eternal and we're here and we're with you and we love you and you can speak to us and never feel alone you are never ever alone we are around you and we're loving you just open to that just feel it and it's easy
1: oh thank you so not so much thank you thank you thank you (laughs) really (laughs) a pleasure to have you here today and to our listener we have been listening to Karen Swain and her website is k-a-r-e-n-s-w-a-i-n dot com and if you go to we don't die radio you can see the lovely picture of Karen and I'll have uh, links to her website and her Facebook page and even I'll find that uh, Annie Kagan interview and have a yeah. link to that because yeah. that sounds great. Beautiful because um, it might be a little while before I get to interview her. So I really thank you, Karen. Oh and thanks so much again thank you to our listeners. This is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.
0: You're with Karen accentuating the positive. I've been chatting with Sandra Champlain who had me on her show, her podcast radio show called We Don't Die. She interviews people who've had experiences communicating with the other side, and I've had plenty of them. She also interviewed me about my book, Return to Love. To hear the full podcast, go to Karen slash Sandra Champlain. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Bye for now.